guide. This is Mike Michalowicz, author of Profit First, and you're listening to the Solopreneur Hour with Michael O'Neill. Now listen up. The Solopreneur Hour podcast. Job security for the unemployable. It's the Solopreneur Hour podcast with Michael O'Neill. Welcome to the Solopreneur Hour podcast, where every episode we co-host with the best and brightest solopreneurs in the land. And now your host, Michael O'Neill. Hey, and welcome to episode 582 of the Solopreneur Hour podcast. Hey guys, how you doing? Things are great here in San Diego. Just back from a three-day weekend in LA where I got to do a lot of really cool things. I was at an audio show, made a lot of great connections for my beginner audiophile podcast. If you guys are, if you like music and you want to hear it, think back in the day, think in the 80s, how you used to listen to music if you were alive in the 80s or even the 70s, even better. And how we used to sit and listen to a record and really enjoy head to toe, top to bottom, front to back, beginning to end of an album. And there's a bit of a renaissance going back on for that, you know, non-anti-MP3 situation. So I have a little podcast called Beginner Audiophile, and it's something I've gotten into a few years ago and really, really enjoy the, um, the process like I really dig the gear and and listening. Like it's amazing when you listen to a track that you've heard a million times on Pandora and then you plug it into like a nice system and you go, oh, I didn't even know there was a like a tambourine in that song. So you hear a lot more through some decent gear and that's what my little Beginner Audiophile podcast is about. That's at beginneraudiophile.com. Anyway, I was at an audio show this weekend in LA and they're pretty fun. You go to a like... It's a hotel, you know, they had the first five floors of the hotel and all the different manufacturers set up, they, they get their suites and they literally put like an audio listening room in their suite. So they'll have their speakers and amplifiers and preamps and all their cables and all that stuff. And you go from room to room and you listen to all the, the different kinds of gear. And some of the rooms, no exaggeration, are $500,000 for the gear. It's crazy. And something I noticed, which is pretty interesting, I think, in our little entrepreneurial world, there are so many companies that I feel like are, are out of touch in that industry, which feels old to me. It's an industry that feels like it's kind of on the way out in some ways, except for the companies that are paying attention. And the companies that are paying attention are looking towards <laughs> the, um, uh, the price point and the bringing new people into the hobby. So it's one thing if I, you know, say, hey guys, you know, uh, I want you to listen to some really cool speakers. And you say, cool, how much are they? And I say, well, they're only $22,000. And you go, I'm going to go buy a car is what I'm going to do with my $22,000 and you can keep your speakers. And that is not uncommon in this industry. Is like I was talking to a guy from one of the companies and everything they had was like 15, 20, 30 grand. He's like, yeah, we're, you know, I said, do you guys have any plans on, you know, getting into more, um, you know, sort of dipping down. So if somebody's a beginner at this, that, you know, they could afford it. He goes, oh yeah, we've got this new affordable, uh, you know, piece of gear coming out and it'll be out in September. I said, great. What's what, what is it? Cause I'm, you know, 
I'm all for it. I'll, I'll review it. I'll talk about it on the show. He goes, yeah, it's only going to be 10,000. I'm like, he goes, it's going to be 10. I go, oh, we're still talking about a different part of the world. You know, they, I, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of beautiful industrial design and a lot of the stuff is worth it, but there's, I feel like there's also a lot of price gouging in that industry. And there's a few people that are really disrupting it and I'm really digging them. So I got a bunch of interviews for beginner audio file for Tuesday. I do it. I do the show every other Tuesday. So it's not like a big taxing situation, but made some great connections and got some great interviews and a potential sponsor for the podcast, which would be cool. But I also got to catch up with some friends in LA and I finally got to drive Mulholland drive in my car, um, in the vintage car. And that was unbelievable and super cool. And I connected with my buddy Radu, who was one of the designers for Tesla. In fact, I think I've had him on the show before. And um, he designed the Tesla. Like when you, we rode in it and I'm like, dude, you designed this car. That's crazy. It's pretty awesome. So I did that and got to go to my first party in the Hollywood Hills, which was at some like rock star dude's house. And it was cool. It was like cool to see. It wasn't like, crazy Beverly Hills, you know, but it was nice. It was pretty darn nice. The guy had a billion cars and, and, uh, we didn't get to hang out and look at him much, but, uh, it was cool. It was cool to see the, the like LA scene show up to this party in the Hills and stuff. So a lot of fun this weekend. Uh, just got back. And unfortunately I was, uh, scheduled for the second time to interview somebody in Orange County on my way home and they canceled last minute. So this is going to be a another best of show. And I apologize for you that uh, if you've heard this one, but if you haven't, the reason I love these shows is because I get to handpick my favorite ones or the ones that I think had the biggest impact based on comments or on feedback that I got for the show. And this one was with my buddy, Chris Farrell, who's, first of all, hilarious. Uh, he's so funny. Wait till you guys hear the HostGator ad in the middle of the show. It's so funny. He is so friggin' funny on this. Um, and by the way, same ad applies, except instead of Solo 3.0, it's Solo 5.0 to get 50% off your entire web hosting order. But you will laugh out loud when I do <laughs> the ad for HostGator. And I will be, I'll actually be having Chris on the show again very soon. And I hope that he will, he will, uh, double down on how funny that was. And we get to do it again. Um, anyway, Chris is known for membership sites. That's his thing. He's really, really good at membership sites. He's got a huge audience. He has between him and Matthew Kimberly, maybe the best voice uh, in podcasting or radio or otherwise. He's just got this great British accent that you'll love. You'll fall in love with him. I mean, he's charming and hilarious and, and uh, you'll really dig it. So this is, uh, again, another best of show. I'm just about to head out to, well, I only tell you what's going on this week. So I've got um, Joel Com and Aaron Sell tomorrow. That will be Wednesday's show. And we're going to be talking about Social Media Day and how you can really maximize your social media right now because, you know, it has shifted quite a bit. And I'm, and, uh, you know, between them and Tyler Anderson, who I just had on last week, I think I want to give you like a real snapshot of what social media looks like right now in June of 2017 and what you should be doing. So that's what that's about. And if you guys are anybody's in the Denver, Colorado area, I will be there from uh, June 29th until I don't know when, but um, I'll be there for probably about a week. So please come to uh, Social Media Day Denver 
And then otherwise, let's, you know, let's connect. Let's hang out. Let's have a hangout. Let's do the whole thing. So again, HostGator uh, sponsoring this episode, Solo 5-0 at checkout. You'll be hearing my read with Chris later on in the episode. I'll say Solo 3-0, but it's Solo 5-0. Joel Com and Aaron coming up on Wednesday. I'm heading out on the Targa, California in my car uh, in, a, in, a, in a couple few, and that'll be really fun. Stay tuned. Um, if you don't follow me already on Instagram, follow me on Instagram. I'm going to be doing a lot of cool posts um, next few weeks about some fun stuff that I'm, I'm going to be getting into. So uh, it might be a, it might be a cool thing to track. I've been getting a lot more into Instagram stories. So, so um, yeah, so that's what y'all should do. You should bang that out. Um, and, and have a listen, if you would be so kind, I would be much appreciated. Have a read, have a listen, have a check out of the, the, uh, the old Instagram. So in fact, I'm going to do one right now while I'm recording this show. Um, so this is going to be episode again, 582 of the solopreneur hour that I'm recording right now. And this is going to be with Chris Farrell and, uh, have a listen to Mr. Chris right now. I get a chance to sit across. First of all, I'm, I'm in the lobby of the uh, Hyatt, Grand Hyatt here in San Diego, California. Uh, and across from me is a, a, a handsome, he's a very handsome man. He's uh, devilishly clever. <laughs> he is... Oh! Hey. Uh, shh. Sorry. Voice of God. We don't know about you yet. He has multiple R's and L's in his name. Uh, you can find him at helpmybusiness.com, and we're going to talk about how he even got to this point of 37,992 likes on Facebook. He is Chris Farrell. Hello, sir. Michael, what an introduction, and it's a treat to be here. You have... Absolute treat. Thank you for the invitation. The most absolutely mesmerizing voice in podcasting. Did I sense a tiny bit of an English accent when you said that? Wow, that was a bobbus. Just to make me it was feel at home. At Did you home. do that for me? Absolutely mesmerizing. Can you say, I'd like a cup of tea, please, my lord? I'd like a cup of tea, please, my lord. You see, I, you've got, you dress so impeccably. I noticed this when we, we were having dinner last night. You should be an extra in Downton Abbey, frankly. I should be I think an you extra should be. You should be Lord Downton Grantham's long-lost, no, devilishly charming cousin Lord or something Grantham, like that. Lord should I bring the car around? Exactly. You've, you've nailed what it, I Michael. Should do. You've nailed it. Um, this is not your first day in front of a microphone. Tell me a bit about your... <laughs> Uh, 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 your history in radio. Well, that's nice of you to ask. So, long story short, before my online... We have an hour. So there's no... Okay, then. Short story long. Yes. Before my online endeavors, I was a the mid-morning host of a radio station. Well, it was actually the number one radio station, so mm. it's quite a big deal. Big big radio station in London. It's still the number one. And we had the guys that did the breakfast show, and then I did the kind of the morning show after Oh, that. sure. So you're it's you're like, 10 to 1. Exactly. Yeah. I was morning drive. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So it's like entertainment and music and Traffic guests. and weather on the 10s. Exactly. Right? It's Pijama 405. Rihanna's next. Can you well, please... Awesome. All right. So it's, let's see, 2.31 p.m. Okay. Um, it's about 80 degrees. Okay. I'm picturing this. Uh... Can you can you lead us into the next song? So, um, which would be uh, "Don't Need Nothing But a Good Time" by Poison. 
Okay, so it's uh, it's busy on the PCH this afternoon. We're looking at a high of 81 degrees today, and uh, we've got who's next? Poison. 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 <laughs> my next on. <laughs> Keep it kiss. Oh, I, I, I fell at the end there, Michael. I I let you down. But I'll tell you, that's a skill, isn't it? Well, I think. I think, and you're very good at this, I think the key to any success really is being an effective communicator, regardless mm. of your industry that you're in. Being able to articulate what it is you want to convey in a hopefully interesting manner and not condescending and not patronising, keeping the energy high. And it's interesting, when I, moved, when I started online, I didn't think anything to do with radio. I didn't think I'd use any of those skills. But the irony is I've used an awful lot of those communication skills. For sure. As, a, as someone who was a, a paid... Host, you've been on... This is not your first podcast, right? You've been on Correct. many. Yes. I wouldn't say many, but I have been on you a know, handful, six at or least. seven, yeah. Okay. So, as someone who made a living as a professional broadcaster... Yes, sir. Do you have an opinion on the current state of podcasting and or uh, video in terms of amateur versus pro? Yes, what is that opinion? Well, that was a poorly worded question on my part. What is your opinion on the well? If I if I hear what you're asking, yeah, uh, let me back up a little bit, if I may. I, everybody is a broadcaster these days, or a potential right. broadcaster, which is great. The days of you know how many? Let's use YouTube as an example. How many stars are there within the ecosystem of YouTube that? Ten years ago, five years ago, would have wanted to have, let's say, a record contract, but now oh. they're just using the ecosystem of YouTube, and the they, don't even, they don't even want a record contract the now. Justin Bieber, Justin, absolutely, right? which we wish we could sort of give back sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I was at VidCon. Were you at VidCon this year or no. last year? No. So VidCon, for those that may not be unfamiliar, is if you, how would you describe it? The the I don't even know. I've, I've never events. been. The live event for anybody that's interested in video content, really, it's a big okay. thing. It happens in Anaheim. And it's amazing seeing how many stars there are in YouTube. That it's like One Direction, you know, they get screamed right, at, right. but they're just within the YouTube ecosystem. I say Video gamers, totally. Yeah. So, so my point is, I think your question is, what was your question? <laughs> Give oh, an opinion on the professionalism of podcast hosts. My only challenge is versus what you're used to as a professional. So my only challenge is it's so easy now to be a be a broadcaster and call yourself a podcaster that a lot of people are doing it. I don't think a lot of people are doing it that well. A lot of people think it's like having a I don't know, it's like having a, a bicycle and thinking I can be an Olympic cyclist. Just because That's right. just because you have a laptop That's right. doesn't mean necessarily you can and interviewing and you I can already tell and I've known this from listening to you, you're a, a good interviewer mm. listens essentially. And it's amazing how many interviewers think I can interview somebody, but it's like anything. It's like a skill. It has to be learned. You have to read That's and right. respond. It's like a good actor, I suspect. It's not just reading the questions you wrote. It's not. How many times have you heard somebody interview? They give a really interesting answer, which is a fascinating conversation grenade, and the interviewer doesn't really reference that because they're too busy thinking about what do I ask next. Well, they go, and you're like, yeah, and then that's what happened when my you know, parents died in a space shuttle accident. Awesome. Great. So now you, um, and you're like, wait, I just told you I that know. my parents died in a space shuttle accident. You did not acknowledge a atomic bomb that I just dropped. That's on what yourself. I like about this. We're, this is you've got no notes here. This could no. we could we could start talking about uh, snowboarding, and we will. Oh, good. <laughs> and That's we will. To go. So yeah. To answer your question, so to to kind of sum up, I think the the challenge is it's still. I think the interesting enough. I think the podcasting area is still the only area of the internet that's really the wild west. Still, it's still right. sort of hasn't hasn't. I don't think 
you might disagree. I don't think it's reached the tipping point, as Gladwell talks about. It hasn't quite... Maybe in our industry, we all know about it, but if you say to the average... To, to a friend of mine, go and listen to a podcast, a lot of them wouldn't even know how to listen to a podcast. That's right. My parents... I mean, that's a generational thing. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have that first idea. So I don't that's think right. it's quite reached the point like YouTube where it's easy to watch a video. I think that's going to happen, and I think when that happens, people that are good communicators like yourself will kind of stand out above the masses of people that think just because they got a laptop, they can sure. be a broadcast. Yeah, you know, it's uh, years ago, like when I started the show, two out of ten people would know what a podcast was. I think maybe we're at four now. I'd agree with that. Three or four. I was reading that all new cars, I I think I got this right, next year they're all going to have podcasts on the dashboard. Now that's, when it's kind of native. This year, I mean 2016 cars. exactly, of course. When when it's built in, that's going to help with the tipping point. That's a game changer. But we haven't quite got there yet. It's still a little bit, you know, you have to go to iTunes, you have to search, you have to download it. For a lot of people, that is still a few hurdles, I think that's slightly unnecessary. Needs to be, I think... And they make it harder than they need to. It's a really, for whatever reason, the, uh, the iTunes team has really made their interface complicated. complicated in the last few years. Yeah, why is that? With like Apple Music and stuff, it's really made it weird. And again, if you say to the average person, what is Apple Music? You know, what is it? It's like, I, I don't really know, and that's fine. So so again, well, this is kind of this, this education. I guess YouTube had the same when they started. But they all eventually, I mean, they all do in, in some respects. But me being kind of a nerd user, you know, I have a hard time playing music on my own phone because it's weird and complicated and the interface is odd. Okay. That's not a win. That's a that's not a win for that team. That's sure. A, that's a bad one. Uh, from the sounds of it, you grew up, uh, what, outside of Long Island? Yeah, Boston. Yeah, Boston. Yeah, can you tell? Yeah. Um, from the motherlands? Yeah. From sunny... Have you been? I have. Where, when were you in England? 2009. Vacation? Uh, ish. Okay. I was I was there spreading my parents' ashes. Oh, I was on a world God. tour doing that. No, it was fine. I had them in a little Italian Parmesan cheese shaker, and right. I took them everywhere that I wanted to take them. Gosh. That that I couldn't because they passed away fairly suddenly. I remember we like, we, we talked about a little bit. Right. We spoke about this within and, seven uh, months. I remember seven. It? Yeah, seven eight months. Uh, and um, and I I was sort of had this dream of becoming successful, quote unquote. And taking them to Europe because my dad was the kind of guy that would drive across country in Winnebago but wouldn't jump on a flight to Paris for six hours, you know? And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. And then I couldn't. Um, And then one day I was in a really bad, you know, I had a bad couple years of... of Okay. Of, uh, of no money and, and heartbroken and all this stuff. And I said, you know, I need to rally from this and I need to do this properly. It was my first venture into kind of like the four-hour work week style of I'm just going to travel and I'm going <clears> to <throat> pay for it while I'm traveling. Okay. I had a friend that lived in Brussels and she said, you can use this as your home base. And I said, all right, so let's do that, right? And so I did. And so for like a week, 10 days at a time, I would go there. I'd do like a little web gig because I was a web designer and developer guy. Make 700 bucks and go, I'm going to Germany. And I would just go, right? Wow. So I did that in, um, in London. And I was staying right outside of King's Cross with a, a, a friend of a friend who was a doctor. He had this beautiful little flat. Uh, and I just explored London. And I think I told you that the British Library, to this day, is still one of the most staggering rooms I've ever been in. The one room. 
I know the exact room you're talking about with the glass ceiling. The, it's got all those glass partitions, yeah. and you start on one end and you see like handwritten Mozart, you oh, know, and then you see Beethoven's it? tuning fork, and then you get to Da Vinci's notebook paper, and you get to Shakespeare's pages, then you get to the Magna Carta. I'm like, and you get to the Beatles, like yesterday, and hello, <laughs> handwritten like the original piece of paper, and I'm like, where in the f am I right now? How is this one room? You see how split we, we can't. The entire museum is in one room. It's crazy. I'm so impressed by it. And it's one of the most under-the-radar places I've ever been. No one talks about London, I'm sure you obviously experienced this firsthand, is you've got history mashed up with modern stuff. You've got the Tower of London next to Starbucks. Yeah, It's a real dichotomy of old and new all kind of mashed up together. And it gives it kind of a great melting pot and a great feel. In that trip, um, here's something you don't know about. I'm a professional drummer. I've been playing my whole life. I didn't know that. And... A friend of a friend, I was in London, I had Facebooked with someone and said, oh, you got to meet my friend, uh, Mark. And I said, okay. And so we met literally at a barbecue place, of all places, in London. Right. And we were chatting. And he was a singer-songwriter guy. And we were just, we, you know, we were a half hour into this thing. I've, I've done a ton of recording. And we're chatting with this dude. I'm chatting with this guy. And he, and he says, uh... Uh, he got my guitarist. I'm like, oh, cool, man. Uh, you know, yeah, I was a singer-songwriter. Oh, great. He was, in fact, I was supposed to record on Monday, but my drummer canceled, so we have to cancel the whole session. This guy said this. He says this to me. And I go, oh, man, he had no idea. And I, and I said, oh, man, what are you going to do? That's such a bummer. If only you could find a drummer on really short notice. <laughs> like, what would, what would that be like? You know, he's like, oh, man, we've been working on these songs for months. I'm like, how many songs are you recording? He's like... You know, three songs. I'm like, oh, man. If you man, tell me this guy was from Coldplay, be, I'll be like, so that'd be get funny. out of here. Although the fray opened for us. Um, but we, I, wow. I strung him along, and I said, well, you're in luck. I've, I've got about 100 hours of recording. He's like, what, really? So I literally went and bought drumsticks, and I went into the studio where they recorded a few Beatles tunes. Where was this? Not, not Abbey Road. It wasn't Abbey Road. No. But it was some little okay. divey studio that had been around forever. And uh, banged out three songs for this dude. The Road by Mark something or another. The Road by Mark. Mark, I have it on my computer. But, I do recognize. But anyway, it was, it was cool. I was like, so I couldn't believe I was recording. I was an international recording artist in London, which so was very cool. So you bonded with the Brits. Yeah. That's what it was great. going. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It was really fun. So you grew up uh, Sheffield. Can you tell? I grew up London. London. London, yeah. So yeah. from the... the like slopes. London, London. London, London. In East, the city. East London, West London. Uh, actually, good question. I actually grew up in the East London. And for those that are unfamiliar, that's kind of known as, like, if you like, the Cockney area, it's known. Sure. Well, they sort of speak a it's bit... A little like rougher. This. Yeah, it's a bit too. rougher, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a bit rougher. Steve Sims, you know Steve. Steve Sims, yes, Steve Sims is an East Londoner. He is an East Londoner. As is Magnus Walker, who lives there in, in L.A. is a Porsche fan, like myself. Is that right? And me. That's right. And you I, are? I am. Oh, I, all right. I have one. Oh, so, all right. We're going to have to talk about that for the next 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, East Ends, but then I grew up in the... Uh, then I, uh, when it was my 20s, when I was working on the radio, 20s and yeah. 30s. What did, what did mom and dad do? Uh, mom and dad. Mom was a nurse. It's retired now. Dad, has, like your parents, sadly, has passed. Hmm. Was in insurance. Nothing to do with... Yeah. Nothing to do with... Mom was a nurse. Mom was a nurse. I am convinced that uh, nurses make the best... Moms, because a, they're unfazable. Yes, right. Unflappable. Good. Yeah. Kid scrapes their knee. You're you're fine. Like it, don't worry about it. Like there's no panic when when I'd the say S is hitting the fan. Yeah, they got it. Plus they've got a little nurturing gene just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, I'm quite fascinated by the fact. I don't know if you've done this, but um, I'm I'm finding myself recently like looking at 
when my mum was my age now, yes, kind of working out, yeah, and then thinking, well, so I'm now my age, so I'm I'm 42, yeah, something when she was 42, you're a whippersnapper, been, I'm 44, are you? How? young would I have been and, and therefore now I'm 42 what would she have been feeling like my I, parents were so much older at 42 and 40 and weren't they though they were I and mean do you remember being a kid and you look at your parents friends and they yeah. were like old people and now we're that age yeah. and my we dad had of, Mickey uh, Mickey Mouse's birthday I think so when Mickey turned 50 my dad turned 50 I think was that December 15 or was that well I think that might be Walt Disney's birthday yeah, it was July something. Oh, okay. but, so, so, I'm totally but, out. But I remember my dad having a 50th birthday party. And like it and being you, uh, so, such old people. Do you remember how old you were? Well, roughly... Like nine or ten, I think. So, yeah, so that's a perfect example. So you would have seen these, these friends of your parents as just yeah. like ancient. That's right. Weird, isn't it? But well, I, was, I, was, I was a baby. My dad had me late, so I think he was 43. Exactly same, as, same as my parents. Yeah. But do you feel, though, that now, though, people are definitely younger just in our, our language, our, how our dress sense, how we communicate, yeah. just our music tastes? Un- unbelievably what so. What is that, do you think? I think there was the Mad Men generation that was what my parents were. Was, yeah, maybe. Which, which were, um, I think there was, a, there was a, a, an urgency to get to adulthood. When you were in your 20s, get in, get settled, get married, get, you know, and now we're almost... That's totally done a 180. And now we're, we're almost doing the Heisman. We're, we're doing the, you know, knee, arp, knee yeah. up, arm out, trying to stem the tide of adulthood as, as quickly as we, or as long as we can. I find it fascinating when you see pictures like of the Second World War, let's say, or even just often everybody is dressed the same, they look the same. That's right. And now, you know, if you showed people then a picture now, 50, 60 years later, where everybody's... Unique, dressed differently. The men were dressed much better. I kind of like. We were talking before we started recording. I, li- I do like that old that chivalry of like Downton Abbey of a hundred years ago of yeah. the gentlemen tipping their hats. Yes, and uh, I kind of like. Yeah. Them. They say you know that's the reason why Downton Abbey did so well. It sold in so many territories around the world because it it tapped into that kind of that romantic that chivalrous hmm. ideal that we all kind of secretly long for that yeah. we feel doesn't really exist. Right, and 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 there's an interesting. Uh, like juxtaposition of that as a man which is on one side we want um on one side hey sherry um on one side we need to be sensitive and and communicative and we need to listen and the other side you better be able to change a tire and handle your business when the zombie apocalypse comes and let me add another right? side to that. Are you finding with guy friends, and well, let's keep this between you and I, I'm having more conversations with guy friends about, oh, have you used this, this moisturizer? <laughs> <laughs> now, that would not have more hugging. That would not have, more hugging. That would yeah. not have happened 10 years ago. And like, um, I agree. Well, I need some moisturizer. I, I've, great, man. I need a little, I need some of that. Um, so, rough and tumble. <laughs> rough and tumble in East London. Yes, sir. Uh, were you... Were you unemployable, or did you work for a while? Well, here's the thing. Uh, most people, particularly at this event, w- often say something like they were always entrepreneurial yeah. from a really young age. And I definitely was not that person. You were not. I was not. Yeah. I didn't even start until I was about 32 to even think about... Right, neither did I. Did you know? That's interesting. Yeah. And I remember, I remember when it clearly happened. I remember I was always working for the man, working for a company, getting a good job, and was working on the radio, and yeah. paid well, and it was good. But I never even contemplated creating something to essentially... Maybe it wasn't in your work. frame of reference. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. It wasn't even... It wasn't as if I didn't want to do it. I didn't even think about yeah, it. Yeah, it was like, oh, this so, is a thing? 
and one and of my, thing. One of my business partners, who we'll come on to, I, I work with a guy called Andrew Locke on a business called Help My Business. He was very entrepreneurial from a young age. You know, mm. he was selling um, bags of potatoes to people that couldn't go to the store, and he was just doing very entrepreneurial things. But I didn't even start to think like that. Until yeah, I was in my, it's, in my it's, early 30s. It's so pretty no, I interesting. Wasn't. I wasn't. So it's interesting that you were the same. Yeah. What was, the, was there something for you, like a, a tipping point that sort of... No, I mean, made that I'd change? read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Was that it, though, do you think? Was that the... No, I, I know the tipping point. But, was it your parents? Um, or? I'd read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 2002 or three or something, but it wasn't until... I had gotten back from that trip. I, th- I, I thought it was that. I thought you were going to go there. And I, Wait, I, what year was that? 2009. So and this really is after being a web. Well, relatively recently. Six, seven years. Um, and In this term, so that's like 50 years. And I think I mentioned to you that a couple things happened. My mom's death was so sudden. Yeah, you said. That it forced me into, it didn't force, but it triggered my yes gene. I just say yes to things now. Can I just interrupt you? Because yeah. for everyone listening, we talked about this over dinner last night, how you were essentially the yes man. Yeah, that's right. For, and I still uh, am. we mentioned in the, the movie, of course, which I don't think you realize was, is a true story. I didn't realize that. It, yeah. it really is based on a guy that really did this. Jim Carrey, you know yes this. man. He's actually in the film, the actual guy that mm. the yes man is. There's a scene in a bar when Jim Carrey's sitting there next to this dude, and that is the yes man. Yeah, oh, that's was cool. Like, he said, can I be in the scene? Jim goes, okay. Right. So it's a true story. So I totally I can, think that's uh, so cool. I find that fascinating that you were that guy as well. I was that guy. And, and even that week, I'd gotten back from uh, Europe. I had $14. Wow. And not like I better go hit the ATM, but I had $14. And I said, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know what I don't want to do is ever work That's an hour amazing. for a dollar again. Do you remember being scared at the time, if I can ask? I was never scared. We, why, so you had 14 bucks. 14 bucks. No real clear... I'll tell you why. Go on. It was... Literally right after Hurricane Katrina. Okay. And I'll never forget this. I watched a nine-year-old little black kid, mostly uneducated, standing on top of a roof. He was the only survivor of his family. He Boy, lost oh. his parents and his grandmother. Um, and I remember watching him and saying, no matter what, I, how I feel right now, he's in a worse spot than I am. Right. I'm educated. I have a skill set. I mean, I'm white, which, you know, is, is a punchline, but it's like, it's, it's real. We know it's real. Yep. We know there's different opportunity for different people in this country. And it's like, I had to step back and go, all right, for me, where I am is awful. For him, his reality is so much worse than my reality. Truly. And so, I wonder if you hadn't seen that kids. I don't know. But I did. And so that was a, uh, I call it contrast. You see, if I can expand upon that, I'm really fascinated. And eventually I'll have to sort of explore this area more. I'm fascinated by seemingly random events. Like that kid on the roof has no idea that he affected you, obviously. That kid on the roof, you know, clearly doesn't know that he's affected this this guy. No, and he's probably 23 now and, you know, a college grad. But he made an impression on you. He's, he's probably affected the trajectory of your life a little bit. Uh, for sure. And I'd love... You could, ex- you could expand that to anything. Like, even last night, for example, we, we met at dinner last night. Right. I, I didn't know you. I knew of you. I didn't have met you before. Yeah. So what made you go to that dinner last night? It's so easy that you could not have gone to that dinner last night. Isn't yeah. It? It's so easy. Jim so easy. Once said, the things that are easy to yeah. do are also easy not to do. So what did happen 
that I, made I, I saw the guest list, and I said, God, these are all of my friends. I li- I'm going to pop in and say hello to to John and Amy and and you know all these folks, and that's truly what it was. I was going to so pop could in and out. Have not have happens. Yeah, I was going to pop in and out and just be like, hey guys, good to see you. You know, let me know when you're done, kind of deal. That's exactly what my intention was. And then, so whose phone did you see that on, or who were you speaking to? I think John. John maybe? Lee Dumas. Okay, so so you should ostracize him from the next. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're very close friends, and I and uh, and he, you know, he said, yeah, you should. Uh, he actually didn't say. I said, no, I'm just going to pop over and say hi. I really want to see Amy Porterfield. Who was a no-show? Yeah, she turn up. Amy, she texted um, me. Said, "I'm so sorry, my mother-in-law's in town." Oh. so. But I, the, the, I literally had just said hello to John. Was there for like two minutes, and you walked right over. Right then, oh, like, oh, of course staying. you're staying. And you're I was staying. like, okay, I guess I'm staying. There you, you go. Know? I was like, sweet. No, um, but it was a what a what a crew you put together. Thank you. It was. Um, I'm very. I was quite. So again, to give a backstory, we, we'd put on a dinner last night, but I was very selective about who I wanted to be there. That's right. So everybody was handpicked. It was mostly A-listers and this <laughs> N-lister. And you and I scurried in somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we're thrilled that you were there. It's a treat to meet you. It was really great. And yeah, so, um, I think people underestimate the power of breaking bread with people. I said, right? I, I love that expression. Yeah, and, I thought and for a second you were going to say Breaking Bad. Yeah, People well, underestimate the power of Breaking Bad. Have you, have you watched Breaking Bad? You want to he, hear a quick addictive. little non sequitur about that? Go on. So I had Dean Laurie on the show. Dean was the head writer of Arrested Development and the creator of Arrested Development. Okay. Um, he'd, he's been on the show twice, and uh, and the week, the second time I had him on. He had had lunch with Vince Gilligan the day before, and it was the week of the finale oh my of Breaking goodness. Bad. Like the, the whole season, the whole, whole, whole season series. six or whatever, the whole series. So the series final episode finale. ever. That's right. And we were, of course, we were in like frenzy of Breaking Bad at that point, <laughs> and it was insane, wasn't it? Insane. Do you remember how you felt after every episode? Oh. You were going, "How on earth?" <laughs> Are they going to get out of this? Totally. Right? Totally. Do you know why you felt like that? Okay. Do I know why? Let me think about this. Because to an extent, I felt that in 24, like 15 years earlier. I mean, a similar sort of feeling. Not as, it wasn't ratched up as much as they did in Breaking Bad. No, no. Bad. Why? How, how did the show make you feel like that? You, uh, I don't know. Good question. Why? They, the writers. So in the writers' room for that last season... They would intentionally write themselves into an impossible corner, and they go, all right, I'll see you Tuesday. And they would leave. And that would be the end of that episode. And they would have to go, I have no idea how we're, how going, to we're going to get out of this. And they'd have to figure That's, it out did you know that? the next week. They'd have to figure it out. Well, let me ask you this. End of Unreal. season three or two, the, the whole plane crash thing. Yeah. Just, which I love. What a season. But what did you think of that? Because I know some people are a bit like, Really? I thought that was because it was my the whole opinion. season. Every episode started with a kind of a, a tease of that, didn't yeah. it? And you thought, why is there a floating teddy bear in a swimming pool and a burnt iron? It was what such is all this next level? And, and here's what I said about that season and about the series: how big of an arc was on that whiteboard? Like, what did that whiteboard look like when they had to link that burned teddy bear? Totally. All the way to the end of Well, this the, is like what we were talking about a few minutes ago, unreal. how seemingly unrelated events, actually, right. when you zoom out, right. often are 
are related. And I know right. you could kind of apply that to sort of everything. Yeah. But um, also what I love about Breaking Bad was how, particularly in the final season, it became we were almost rooting for either Hank or Walter. Yeah. Right. And it was always Walter at first, but then he, he became sort of so bad, but we still loved him. But it was Hank versus Walter. That's right. I, I did feel like, wow, this dude is over the line now. Kind of like Last Man on Earth. I watched that a little bit. I'd and never... I stopped rooting for the lead character because he was such a jerk. I didn't see it. And I was just like, all right, I'm kind of I'm kind of over it. <clears throat> Tell me um, your favorite film ever. Uh, Go. There's two. Go on. Good Will Hunting. Good. For my mom. We have a, a story with my mom. Which was very much like what we talked about before, kind of like the Notebook. Could you watch it now? Her, think? Would, huh? that be, would that be tough for you? Could you watch it now? Or yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but I remember we spoke two days after she passed away. Before, bad to be really after that. After. That's bizarre. Yeah, she's a zombie. Um, <laughs> mom, mom, mommy. Um, <laughs> two days before she passed away, and we both happened to catch it on TNT. Okay. It's one of the movies that I will watch when I see on. Like uh, just happened to flip on the TV. And I'll watch that like, movie. You like, like Groundhog Day? I'll do the same thing. Okay. Shawshank Redemption. I'll do the same thing. Uh, epic. Um, but uh, we 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 were talking about that scene in the movie where Rob Williams is talking about his ex-wife <coughs> who passed away and having um, these picadillos about his wife, like just these little things that he loved, yes. you know, about her. They were just theirs. I vaguely remember. I must watch this again. And and I and my dad, he really left us in a bad way. Like his stuff wasn't in order. That there was no will to be. We couldn't find the will. Okay. It was just a mess financially, and like it really is what caused a lot of the the issues. And she was very angry. My mom. My mom was very angry at my dad. Um, and it was the first time. It was months later. And I said, uh, we watched this movie, and she said, man, there's not, there wasn't a bad line in that movie. It's so beautifully written. And I said, what were, your, what were your and dad's picadillos? And she said, those are ours. And that was it. And I, that's the it's first... two days before. Two days before. And that's the first moment I realized that she wasn't just angry, but she was truly heartbroken. Oh, boy. Truly heartbroken. That must have affected you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but but the, the the bread-breaking idea, I think people don't realize how, like, instrumental that is into relationship building. When you're, when you're someone who's just coming up or you're, you want to uh, uh, connect with some people, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants. Yes. If you can buy them lunch or buy them dinner or put a dinner together like Jason Gaynard does or you did last night. Um, I've been to a, a number of those where they'll put 10 people in a room that are interesting and creative yes. and doing some things and man does magic happen, yes. right? And if you happen to be the one that puts it together and maybe you're not at that station yet, it's only win. Like you win and win and win and win. That's true. So what was it for you? What was the when were you first exposed to that as a as an idea, or was this the first one you've done? This like is this? actually the first dinner I put together, and the honest answer is there was nothing kind of um, there was strategic. Th- there wasn't anything strategic, nothing strategic about, about it. it. It was purely I wanted to hook up with some friends, and at these events, it's very uh, you know what it's like. It's very it's easy chaos. to say to people, "Let's grab a coffee 
you know, and it never happens just because everybody's busy. So I thought, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I mean, the original plan, to be honest, was just we all get dinner and we all just split the bill. But then I kind of thought, you know what, right. I'm actually going to, I want to treat some friends to this. And I only want, because they, they were friends first and foremost, I knew it'd be a great... It was supposed to be four people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it was 20. Exactly. Like, I got this. I got dinner with you guys. Mm, right. Not like... <laughs> right. So, um, but then... Uh, then everybody in the room, you know, were friends. Right. And so it just became, it really was nothing strategic, but we just decided it was going to be in a restaurant uh, as opposed to a private room where it was last night. And then we, uh, within the 24 hours before the event, I thought, you know what, we could make this a little bit more special. Get a menu printed, get a nice room, hire a room, you know, foot the bill, obviously. Yeah. And um, yeah. so, again, there really wasn't anything strategic, but I do agree with you. Probably things will come out of it because of doing it. For but, but sure. It, it, was well, anything actually, a great conversation? Yeah, exactly. Great conversation, like you and I meeting, and um, right. so yeah, I'd like to do more of that. Though I think there is a skill to not. That I'm saying I've got it. I hate quickly. Let me quickly add, but I you do. do there is a skill to putting people together in a in a room where you think they're all going to gel, right? And just being strategic about who's there, and, and probably just as important who who isn't there. It's That's like, right. You know, it's, it's the old Brian Tracy thing. It's not just important to have a to do list. It's important to have a a not to do list. Right. So it's the, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. I do wine and cheese parties every few months. And are you careful about who you invite? Yeah. And I bring them. I have disparate worlds. Like, I, I race cars. I bring my car racing people there. I do so music great. stuff. So I do my universes. music people. I do my business. Like, and do you, you find know, there's cross-pollination between For, the absolutely. two? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, especially with, you know, the concept of this show in and of itself, which is we're all solopreneurs in some way. There's, there's, there's always an element of... Having to market and connect and network, yeah, and then there's the technical side, and then there's the execution side, and then the, yeah, I mean, it's all the same whether you're an actor, or a comedian, or an author, yeah. or an online business person. So that's would, the show. I would say the fastest way to grow any business is through networking strategically. One hundred percent. You can you can ten x something just by being you know essentially giving. I know it sounds corny, but trying to give as much value as you can up front. Yeah, and you know it's reciprocity, isn't it? As old um, who wrote who wrote influence. Cialdini, um, you know the Red Influence. Influence, by no. It's just one of the, probably probably the best marketing book. Wow. And it's uh, it, he talks about influence as a book mm. it suggests, and and he talks about the law of reciprocity and just how you can have influence and effect on people just by offering value first, but not. I think I'm always hesitant to say this because there's kind of a, a bit of a buzzword at the moment. Uh, Jessica and I were talking about this earlier. How a lot of people will say things. How can I offer value to you? How can I offer value to you? And I feel that sometimes people are saying it just because it sounds. It is. Like it is a right. Sounds like, and you think if you look at them in the eyes, do they really mean that? Right. Or is it kind of a cool thing to say at the end of a, a conversation? It's a, it's a bit trendy right now. It's a bit trendy. Yeah. So that's why I hesitated yeah. a few minutes ago to say that. But I think if you genuinely, if you look in the, in the whites of somebody's eyes, you can tell whether they really mean that. Right. So I don't quite know how no, we got <clears> this tactic. Or the but, um, bloodshot red. After three days of this conference, I think actually for three days we've been pretty good. We've it's been not been bad. I haven't, I haven't had that much to drink, and we've eaten well. We're up a little late, but it's been really it's been nice. A few late nights, but um, um when you, you, you cut your teeth in the online membership world. Is yes, that correct? Sir. And when you started, yes, was was WordPress a thing? So I started online. So here's the thing: I started online in 2008. Oh, and wait. I genuinely, hand on my heart, knew nothing or nobody about this business. And I remember thinking at the time, this is going to be a challenge. Yeah. Uh, it was like becoming, wanting to become, I don't know, uh, an underwater photographer. I knew nothing about it other than I wanted to do it. It was actually the biggest blessing because I had no preconceived ideas. Yes. And I was just, I was, I was, ju- I remember it clearly. I was just 
getting up at four o'clock every day, immersing myself and learning stuff. Yeah. Just learning, 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 yeah. learning. And um, and to answer your question, WordPress was a thing. wasn't nearly as 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 you know as robust as it is now. Yeah. But yeah, well, why do you ask about WordPress? Out of interest. Well, because if you need uh, a WordPress site, which we all do, you need HostGator.com. Is what you need. Thirty percent off your entire. Web hosting That's program. That's why he gets the big bucks. By using HostGator.com. There could be less seams. <laughs> Do you know... That was... That, that was... You're like a Mozart. You're like a Rembrandt. Can I finish my read? Sorry. Sorry, HostGator.com, where you get 30% off. Do you know that they offer a new cloud hosting program what, which what is, is very cloud true. hosting program from HostGator Michael what they do yeah. let me tell you about tell that me, I'd like to know it's much more scalable so what does that mean it means that when you grow as a business I see your website bandwidth so all of it can grow with you so you don't use if you get more traffic you don't need to change anything they got it Host, I love HostGator they got it they've got uh, 25 7 or 8 support so 25 hours a day. That's amazing. And they're open eight hours a day. That's eight. They have eight really days a week. the laws of physics That's right. and time. Eight days a week. Hostgator are amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I also like their optimized WordPress. I program. love the optimized WordPress. Don't you? Yeah, it Don't you? It works Here's what they do. Let me tell you something about that. It's they the will. Uh, it is actually the best. Yeah, I, I can't. They will I've update a, your files on the back end. Get out of here. Thus, thus closing Thank you, security holes. Right? And. No, there never can't be an and. <laughs> there can't be more. More to the story. Hostgator, you're killing me. He'll back up all your files. In the cloud, scalable, they back it all up. They'll back it up. Off. So when, when something happens, when, you have when, me the, a host. when the meteor Data. strikes your city, your website is backed up. So let me get this clear. When the whole Just of the let's planet summarize. is apocalyptic and nobody, no humans right. are living, your website will still keep working 24 7. That's fabulous. Isn't it? Solo30 at checkout. Use the promo code Solo30 at checkout. What was the coupon code again? S-O-L-O. S-O-L-O. 30. 30%, 30% off your Bring entire the the web car parking. hosting holiday Monday. order. <laughs> That's correct. Perfect. They need to pay us... An extra $3,000 for this read. I love HostGator. As WordPress developed, yes. did you find your skill set uh, kept up? Or did you realize at some point, I'm going to hand this off to a, a, a full-time WordPress person and focus Great on question. the strategy of my, my membership site? I made a very common entrepreneurial mistake. Maybe mistake is too harsh a word. And that was thinking that I wanted to know it all myself and, right. and do it all myself. Superhero syndrome, <laughs> syndrome as Sorry? Chris Ducker would say. Superhero, Superhero syndrome. syndrome. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, Also from East London. Chris Ducker? Yeah. I did not know that. Yes. Is he a Brit? He is. I didn't know that. So yeah, so I did think I had to do it all myself, learn it all myself. Yeah. Now I'm a lot more uh, focused. This is 2008. At this point, yeah. it's really a, a bare bones content management I system. I mean, it's completely changed. Right? Yeah. And so now it's a full-fledged uh, of of all the fledged family, it's the full one. <laughs> um, CMS, I mean, it's a full platform at this point. So you and you didn't have any background in Zero. in in that. And so why? Who said that you should do a membership site? And why did that matter? Great question. Can I tell really? the story? Yeah, please. So I I moved to America. 
Guys, you can you can keep the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge of it for this story. Please. <laughs> oh, I like what you did there. So I moved to America because of a girl. It's always a... It's always a they always drag you down, It's always down, one don't of they? you lots. It is. It's always a woman. It is. Um, but we're no Especially longer... Especially this one. Yeah. But we're no longer together. But that's another story. But anyhow, so I moved to America. So... I then decided... What did you move? You right. went from L- so London from to where? London to L.A. Oh, okay. London to L.A. That's a fairly uh, common transition. Yeah. It is. Actually, it is. A it really is. I it's, thought you were being ironic. It's a similar-ish Yeah. It's vibe, not a huge... Although it is interesting. I don't know if you've ever done this. Moving to a new place where you know nobody. Yes. That was quite a nice feeling from being quite social, well, very social, really, in London, to going to a place where I knew nobody. Can I share an, a little insight? Go on. When I lived in Colorado, uh, I lived there for 12 years. It was when my parents were going through this thing. They got sick and passed away. I didn't love who I became. I was really dark and unhappy right. at the end there. And when I went to Europe for a few months, I was so refreshed wow. by the anonymity. Because I was just meant to ask. That's right. And then when I got back, I was like, I'm not going back to Boulder. So I moved to Denver. Okay. And then two years later, I moved to San Diego, also completely anonymous. I was so happy that when I when people met me in 2012, yeah. it was that version of me sure. and not the one in 2007. Totally get that. Yeah, right. Totally understand that. So you, you there was there's an element of that that's that's refreshing, isn't it? I, yeah, I did it's kind of. It's not as much of a graveyard yeah. where you live. There was definitely definitely a component of that. I also like the fact that I just I don't like clutter in life, whether it's um, right. Clutter in your, your kitchen or your bedroom or your, your phone or email inbox, and right. like even even your, like your Google Calendar. I kind of like the fact that um, that I had an empty calendar. Right, just kind of like that de- yeah. that declutterness. You can just be the so, new guy. Totally, and it, I really, I'm, I'm, my favorite holidays ever have been to places like Thailand where I'm hiking on my own or backpacking right. with, a, with a, literally a backpack and a bandana on and just like open space. Something about that openness of life really appeals to me. So when you moved to L.A., yep. was that when you decided to adopt the fake British accent? Or yes. Was being, it, from, yeah. being from Brooklyn. Now, where am I from? Boston. And that, and that converted? It did, did very well. I'm, yeah. I'm still um, carrying it on. Yeah, the interview. ladies really. Yeah. Yeah, they do so enjoy. As soon as I finish that, I'll be back to my, uh, um, my Long Island draw. <laughs> Where'd you live in L.A.? Uh, Beverly Hills. Oh, well, excuse of course. us. Of course, <laughs> darling. Well, I had no idea. <laughs> um, and how, do you, how does one, uh, at that point, had you had some... Uh, yeah, you must have had some sort of success to go. Well, that's the thing. A lot of people think I lived in Beverly right? Hills because of the success I've had online, and that, I've never said that. It's not true. I'd done quite well in London, in the radio and all the stuff I'd done. So I came over to LA with you know a bit of money in the bank, not loads by any means. Yeah, yeah. Enough to like live for a couple of years, but that, well, oh, a couple of years life. is in LA. In LA is yeah, I mean, it's expensive. You, you LA. put something there, yeah. But even so, we all know how fast life goes. So I really spent the first well, I spent six months really learning this online stuff because well, I needed why, to fund it. Why did you? Why, why online? What were you? Why did you decide to learn I'm just, online I'm business? I've always been fascinated by it. I couldn't, the trigger? My, I couldn't get my head around the fact that people could, and I understand if people are listening to this and you're thinking the same, I couldn't get my head around the fact that people really could travel around the world, live where they wanted to, make good money doing something that they love. It just did not make right. sense. It's like, surely that has to be a scam. Mm. There's no way... But and now it's got a thousand times easier. I say easier sure in inverted is. commas. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it's simple. 
Once you understand right. the principles, I love that phrase. Once you understand the processes, the, it's like any. It's a business. I think the key thing here is what we're talking about is a business first and foremost. And any business takes time and money and 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 skills before you can see results. A lot of people think because it's a website, because it's a, a laptop, it's going to be quick and it's fast and it's easy, and it's right. not. But if you if you're prepared to learn some skills. And get good. At, I would say get good at one thing and master that one thing online. You could then sell that one thing as a product or a service. So, right. That's sort of what I did. I think there's a simplicity to it. We, I think we tend to overcomplicate the entire idea of this, which is like we're building funnels and doing all this stuff. Yeah. And we kind of forget about the the human the human side of connecting with these people. And I don't mean like belly to belly and you shake your hand. What I mean is you're opening a uh, umbrella store in Seattle. Well, what else do they need? They need galoshes, right? They yeah, need good, good example. a poncho. They need something they, like, why do we overcomplicate what our users actually need and like try to get super ninja with it when, when you just go, hey, you know. You keep it simple, you say. Keep it simple. Like, I think it was uh, Einstein that once said, only when, you, only when you know something well enough can you explain it simply. I always thought that was a great expression. Wait, say it again? He said, only when you know something well enough can you explain it simply. That's right. And that's kind of, I don't know if it's the English accent, but I've, I've found a niche of explaining seemingly complex things in an easy-to-understand manner. Oh, I love that. And that's sort of one of the things that I think helped me get quite a lot of success quite quickly. Speaking of Al, um, <laughs> scientists... Of Al. You can call me Al. Who sang that song? Go. Paul... Yes! Simon. Yes! Scientists detect gravitational waves for the first time. Einstein was right. That happened today in what? science. Meaning that... Scientists detect... Gravitational waves for the first time, meaning that there are actual time-space rifts, like, like uh, waves, that they're finally able to measure from when like a black hole collapsed what? 1.2 million years ago. So what ago. does that mean for you and I? It means that there is an actual time-space continuum, does I think. Does that mean... You know where I'm going with this. There's going to be time travel and Does that mean that Marty stuff. McFly was right? And Doc Brown was right? I think Doc was right. Marty was just along for the ride. Great Scott! Great you mean Scott. we can really jump back and see our parents in not, the 1955 Not yet. Under the Sea school dance? Not, I mean, not this week, but maybe. Would you mean all that was in time? Pardon? Would you go forwards or backwards in time? Ooh. Would I be able to bring anything with me? Uh, or knowledge? Yes. You could bring one person. Or an you object? Would, you wouldn't age. But I could bring an object or something with me? No. It's just yourself. <laughs> just the clothes you're wearing. Because you could really, you could show up, you know, at, at some, one of the wars of history with an automatic iPads? rifle and really just... Lay waste in like 1740. Um, not that I would do that, but uh, you just could. Um, you could turn up in two. I think you have that. Uh, you could have that almanac though, and really, you know, well, that's what they did. You could, you could put you could put a couple bucks on red and do pretty well for yourself. Invest in Amazon, yeah, whatever. Back in that's a, that's the funny thing is if you had if you had three minutes in a different time, you could you could come back a billionaire. Would that change the course of history, yes. though? It would, wouldn't it? If we know anything from watching time travel movies, it would totally <laughs> exactly. change as, as Brown the course us. of history. I read a book called The E-Myth Revisited, By which Mr. changed Gerber. my entire career. Wow, why? Long story. Did you write? This is your show. Okay. I'll tell you after, though. They okay. know this. They know this story. Okay, okay, okay. Um, 
what's what can you trace back to a to a massive so wave? Well, what what incident can you trace your current life back and go, wow, that was a tidal wave, and I didn't realize it at the time. That's very true. Probably meeting a girl that I ended up marrying, but we've actually now separated. Hmm. But that took me to America. So had that not happened, and I remember how I went with a buddy of mine to Sweden for the weekend for essentially a boys' weekend, just yeah. to, just to drink and meet yeah. girls. To be honest with you, right? But I didn't really intend to meet a girl, right? But did right. so you know? Sure. Had I not gone with that you buddy, went to, you wanted to meet them, but not know uh, yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you know, I was thirty at the time, sure, so like ten years ago. And uh, and you guys, he's a uh, strikingly handsome well, devil I, I didn't with want an to accent. Say. <laughs> So, easy on the eyes, everybody. And the ears. Go on. So, maybe that would be one of those moments. Yeah. Possibly. There was a conversation. That came down to a conversation of your buddy going, hey, do you want to go to Sweden? I love the fact that you picked up on that. And that could be a a random Tuesday afternoon where you have no idea that very one conversation is going to take you to Sweden. That's right. And you said yes. And I said yes. And how yes. easy could that conversation not have taken place? Now, I know we can apply this to everything in life, yep. really. But it's, doesn't that blow your mind how fragile life is? How every relationship you have could easily not have happened. And therefore, it, it kind of makes me think, you know, we can, with that attitude, we can really, it sounds corny, forgive me, but we can really do what we want to, we set our mind to, once we start thinking like this. Not just in a financial term, but in a physical term, That's in right. a spiritual term, in an emotional term. Once we start thinking like this. That's right. It's, I mean, and, and it's... You and I talked about this yesterday, which was the more successful people I meet, the more I realize that they say yes first and then work out the details. Yeah. And then most other people say maybe, and they think of 19 ways why it's not going to work. Can I share with you why I think that is? Yeah. I think, and I used to be like this, so this is why I can, I think, say this confidently. I think most people live in a scarcity mindset. Absolutely. Most people want to see how much they can save on that car. Jim Rowan, one of my favorite mentors, says it's not that a car is too expensive. It's that you don't have the money for it. There's a big difference between the two. If you look at a car and say it's 60 Mm. grand, it's too expensive. No, it's not too expensive. That's the price. The issue is you don't have 60 grand. That is really And that is different, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. The car being too expensive. And I think that's related to a lot of people, and I used to be this person, do live in a scarcity mindset. How much can I save on this? How much can I get this down to? Right. So once we start living in an abundance mindset... And again, I know it sounds a bit corny. I get that. I almost hesitate saying it because I don't want anyone listening to think it sounds yeah. cheesy. But once we start thinking in an abundance mindset, and that, and you can expand on this even further, I think the way to do that is to start being appreciative of things. I try and do mm-hmm. 50 minutes of gratitude every day just for the most random things like my knees are working. Thank you for my <laughs> stomach <laughs> digesting food. But ridiculous stuff that if yeah. it wasn't there would make your life a real pain in the ass. Sh- so once we're, once we're appreciative of things, I'm a great believer in what we think about essentially creates more of that stuff. So we need to get out of that. And we're all guilty of it. I often find if you're traveling from A to B, when you walk from here to your hotel room, just have a fun game. Play back in your head. What was your? Th- what were you thinking during that two-minute journey? What were you actually your thoughts? Were a lot of them negative? Were a lot of them positive? Just And consciously think, that was interesting. I found myself spending that whole journey being a bit negative about, oh, I'm a bit worried about money at the moment. I'm a bit stressed about this. Right. And if we find ourselves, I think, focusing on a lot of that, that we are going to eventually create more of that in our life. It doesn't mean we just want to ignore it, but I think if we can replace that thought process, the only thing we can really control in our life is, is what we think about. Sure. Yeah, the re- how we react, how we react. To situations. Jack Canfield says this brilliantly. The events in our life versus um, 
the what was it E plus R plus our responses to them equals the sure. outcome. We can control our responses. Life is ninety percent or ten percent. What happens to you? Ninety percent how you respond. Like when your parents right. sadly pass within nine months of each other. Yeah. The only thing you could really control about that is is your response to it. That's Obviously, right. Obviously, it's really tough. But, you know, you have a choice, don't you, of how you can use this. Not, I'm saying you personally. One could use it as an excuse why, sure. oh, my life sucks. My parents died within a year. But then you could say that for the rest of your life. You could use that as a convenient excuse. That's right. And people would buy it. People and they would, buy it. And they would, and they they would, would, they would understand. They would and they would say, yeah, yeah, I understand why he got that way. You yeah, know? It's fascinating, isn't it? You know, Jim Rohn also said... Um, We've heard a million times. You're the five people you spend the most time. Yeah, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, right? Yes. But did you one, say that? I didn't one trigger on that that really changed my perspective was you are one of the five. Your inner voice. What a great is one of the five. What a great addition to that five That's right. person thing. And I you're walking like around that. with that imposter going, you can't do this, or you're not good enough, or they know more than you, or they have more money. And I just wrote an uh, email today uh, about this. I, I happen to live in San Diego, but I don't, I, I don't have a ticket to this event. I'm unconferencing. I said I'm going to sit in the lobby, and I'm going to see what happens. And that's yep. what I've committed myself to for four days. And I've had the four most epic days of amazing <laughs> connections and relationships and great interviews and meeting new people and seeing friends and it's I mean ultimately it's cost me some drinks and a couple dinners or whatever sure. but fraction of what it's yes. you know uh, 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 what you would do in months of working you know in my own house by myself totally so even if you can't afford a $1,500 ticket get to the event in Vegas and do this. Well, you're right? perfect. That's a great because a, a, a lot of people here haven't got tickets for the event. No, and they just and there's. They, I didn't networking. even know unconferencing was a thing until a couple of years ago. Is that what it's called? Unconferencing. unconferencing. That's great. That's right. So, you build this membership site named after yourself, which sounds very Chris Farrell. Two R's, two L's. That's correct. Which is. Um, Oh, this is what a bad host. We, I shut my laptop. This is bad. This is bad pod right here. That I am not. I'm a bad host. Um, this is Chris Farrell on Facebook. So FB dot me slash this is Chris Farrell. That's the two that's R's two L's Facebook fan page. Thank that's you. Right. Two R's two L's. Yeah, yes. two R's two L's. And you're very barking on thirty eight thousand. By the time this airs, you'll have th- at least thirty eight thousand and six. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yes. I made it. But tell me about. Uh, Why did you decide to build a membership site? I can tell you exactly why. Because when I started online in 2008, like a lot of people, I started selling info products, which was great. I I started building a list. I did the kind of the usual thing. Build a list, find a market. You you start with your That's when you could drive Google ads and make actual money. Yeah. So I built a list, created my own products, because I couldn't actually find that many products I wanted to promote. Mm. That's another story. Promote, created my own products, learned how to do that firstly, how to make videos, created my own products, sold them to my list, but very quickly realized you can't keep mailing your list all the time. Some marketers do, but for good... I need to interrupt you for one second. Yes. The way you're matter-of-factly speaking... Yes. I did this, I made some videos, blah, blah, blah. I think sometimes people people think there's more to it than that, but you learned what the process was, and then you had to figure out what you needed to know to actually execute the process. And that was it. Yep. That was it. 
if I can, in 10 seconds, I'll tell those that are listening, if you, are not, if you haven't made any money online, this is how to make money online. The very first thing you do is you find a profitable area, profitable market, profitable niche, call it what you want. Essentially an area where people are already spending money. That's the key thing. They're already spending money. Yeah. You're not reinventing the wheel. Go to Amazon. Go to eBay. You know, Amazon is a buyer site. eBay is a user site. Look at all the categories. They're areas where people are already spending money. So we choose a profitable niche. That's step one. We haven't made any money yet. Step two is then we build a list of people that are interested in learning Spanish, whatever our profitable niche is. And we build a list of people, we collect email addresses. Again, I'm simplifying it, but that really is the process. You build a list, that's step two. Step three is once you have a list, you market related products to that list. You engage yeah. with them as well. That's really sort of it summed up. Yeah. Obviously, there's tactics and strategies that you can apply to each of those three steps. Yeah. But it is one, find a profitable niche. Two, build a list of people interested in that niche. Three, market related products to that list. Right. That's kind of it. And that's what I did. But then I realized that when I wanted to market products to my list, I didn't want to keep sending new products. I wanted to create some one product hmm. that was continuity-based. Right. And uh, Membership Site is perfect for that because all I need to do is I need, all, all I need to do is sell something once that obviously rebuilds every month. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. Then it, it takes away me having to create new products every month and market them to my list. I just create new content, put it in my membership site that they're already a member of. That makes it more attractive for existing members to right. stay members. It sure. makes it more attractive for non-members to join because there's more content being added. So membership sites, for me, are the best mm. business model out there. And what was your model? How did you... What was the, the, the model of the membership site? It was... Um, do you mean in what model of what so when you created the membership site yeah i used wordpress well i used a few things but i'm now on wordpress and wishlist member and was it like a lifetime membership was it a monthly recurring so, what so was the here's the thing so it's monthly 37 dollars a month all it takes by the way is 27 people paying 37 dollars a month to be an extra thousand dollars a month and $1,000 a month for most people is generally enough to make a bit of a difference with the mortgage, car payments. They say $468 a month is would save right? most uh, foreclosures. Right? I hadn't heard that. Well, there you go. So 1000 bucks is double that, which is only 27 people. 27 people right. paying a $37 a month membership site. Right. And we talked a moment ago about building a list. You can easily, using Facebook or YouTube, build a list of a few hundred people within a sure. few weeks very easily. If you're not you know, a hardened salesman, you could convert 10% of those into paying members. There's your 27 people. Sure. So I did that. I built it up to 5,000 members. At what was the membership site about? Was it in a framework for people to build a membership site? No, it wasn't. Great question. Okay. It was a membership site and still is really about internet marketing. It was about what I was learning myself online. I was only teaching stuff that I had done and I was really, really kind of passionate about yes. that. I didn't want to be that guy that says, this could the work. Expert, I've never really done it. Quote, unquote. So I was showing stuff that I'd done myself, whether it was creating videos or webinars or Facebook ads or right. automated webinars or creating products, all stuff that I knew firsthand because I'd done it. And, 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 and you, you, would, you would learn a new thing. Yeah, exactly. And then you you'd this. go, oh, okay. These are the three pieces of the learning I just did that I can turn into totally, content. Michael, totally. Right. Not only that, I couldn't find anybody that would, ex would explain it clearly when I was learning that thing. Right. So I would go to uh, Elance, as it was back in the day, or Odesk, sure. and I'd find experts, and I'd pay them $100 an hour to learn something, hmm. then learn it, then get confident with it, and then create a product teaching in, like, Farrell talk, if you right. like, how to do what it right. is, and put that in the membership site. And th that was really my, to answer your question about business model, that was my business model. 
model. I populate yeah. my site with things that I thought people that were interested in knowing how to create an online business would find interesting in hopefully an easy-to-understand manner. Right. Put it all in one place, low price points. You know, it's, it's kind right. of the Amazon but then model. Five, it's, or the, I call it the Denny's model. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Low so price low point, point, you're looking for volume. You're going for volume, exactly. Yeah. And some people would argue, you know, there's friends of mine that have the exact opposite. They'll have like 10 clients paying them, you know, 10 grand a month. So it's a different sure. business model. Right. And neither like one is right boutique. or wrong. Yeah. And, then, and so what, what was your platform built on? Because you had to scale that. that. Had you had HostGate or cloud hosting, oh. you would have needed to use it. And they, they got 30% off at the moment, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, yeah. What's that coupon code again? Oh, if I can remember. It's it uh, Solo30, solo actually. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you'd had that, you would have needed it because you were scaling. You had 5,000 people yes, on your sir. site. Yeah, That's I'll, something else. That is pretty good, yeah. Yeah. It's, What's uh, the most you ever had to pay monthly in hosting? Oh, I can tell you that. It was because uh, I was using... A lot of my hosting went on video hosting. Wow. I was using Wistia, which is yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, Wistia is great. It's quite expensive yeah. if you get... And I think it was like... I think it was at like... Just for just for video hosting, it was like two grand. Yeah, which is quite a lot. I mean, yeah. it's not huge, but it's it's sure. quite a lot. Then you got your in a land hosting. of three thirty seven a month, right? Like say, say in, in a land of like three dollars and thirty seven oh, yeah, exactly. cents a month, so all of a two grand just for videos. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay, and so you got uh, then five thousand. Certainly, some people are canceling. Some people are want their money back. Some people like yeah. that oh, totally. whole deal. Yeah. And how how does the how do you handle the infrastructure of all that? So I was using a, a platform called Membergate. I don't know if you're aware of them. They're a bit of an old Membergate. 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 I know S two and I know Wishlist. Yeah, S two and Wishlist. So I and I now use Wishlist. Okay. So I use Wishlist with WordPress. So I left yeah. Membergate. Membergate was great. It was a, it was built on a, a language. I mean, I'm not a techie person at all, but yeah. it, it was a bit old school. Okay. So I'm now Wishlist and um, WordPress, of course. Yep. And uh, and it works great. So and you're still doing the same thing. Still. I'm diversifying into other areas now yeah. because the great thing about a continuity business model is once you set it up you can sort of as long as you put a bit of new content in there you can kind of just you know manage it and right. really I'm big into like you are leveraging my time right. and my expertise I don't want to spend too much I'm really obsessed with the time actually I don't want to spend too much time Sure. Doing the same thing. Want you want to do fun stuff. Do That's why you work so hard. That's what life is about. Isn't That's right. It? We're only here once. It's going fast. So, yeah. Um, and you've partnered with uh, Andrew L- Andrew Locke. Locke is his name. Uh, HelpMyBusiness.com. So that's correct. And what's what's next for that? Like, what's the so, what will happen with Help My Brits, Business? Super yes. guy, super dear friend of mine. He hosts a flashy dresser TV show called Help My Business, which is great and hilarious is, and so well produced. Yeah. Well, thank you. I co-write it. Yeah, it's great. And produce it. Um, Andrew's the host. Although that said, I'm about to, I'm about to become the other side of the you camera. Are, you are going to uh, emerge. I'm emerging. Yes. <laughs> and we, we, our aim is to try and. You're familiar with the Daily Show. The what? John, uh, John Stewart Daily Show. Yeah, f- of course. So yeah. we're trying to kind of create a, a show for small businesses. We've done 200 episodes. Um, where wow. it's really kind of like the, the daily show for small businesses. So it's, sure. it's, it's quite more it. irreverent. It's not like a normal, dare I say, boring business show. It's, it's fun. It's quirky. Got right. a, we sometimes there's guests. Sometimes we don't. We have, it's short. It's, it's, uh, it's like half-hour episodes every week. Mm. It's video as well. So it's, uh, yeah. it takes you know, more production, if for sure. you like. You have a team now that's doing that for you? Or uh, it's a couple uh, guys? You've got maybe a small team of three or four people. Yeah. We're pretty, Andrew and I are pretty kind of uh, um, involved ourselves. You know, we're rolling up our sleeves. We're writing it, producing right. it filming it right but our aim is to really grow that as a brand i think i think there's more infotainment 
Yes. Although people want more yes. entertainment. That's exactly so, right. Um, so that's kind entertainment of, trumps all. I think so. We just talked about entertainment will always trump information. I think you're right because yeah. ultimately, um, even when you think about going to a conference or going to see someone's great keynote. You remember pieces of it because they were entertaining. Of course. Yeah. Not because they were like, here's 10 reasons why I... Totally agree blah, 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 blah. Totally, yeah, right? We've all heard that, all that before. That's right. So it's information... Uh, sorry, it's entertainment and storytelling, I think, is a big part of that. Yes. And you're a good storyteller. So thank you, sir. So that's kind of our, our goal. Yeah. And that's... Uh, so in the next couple of months, you're going to be transitioning from um, helpmybusiness.com to YouTube. Exactly, yes. So yeah. we... Um, Which is I, why I will instantly subscribe. Thank you. We yeah. haven't really, again, probably foolishly, but it is what it is. We haven't really tapped into the power of building our subscriber base on YouTube. Right. We've just used iTunes. Now, we've got huge figures, right. but just through iTunes. So we're going to really tap into YouTube now as well. So like any business, I know it's very easy to look at any business and think they've kind of got it nailed. Yeah. But when you get to know the business owner, there's loads of uh, gaps and loads sure. of gaps behind the, sure. the surface. That, um, it's same well, you know, or, or you, you can look at those gaps as opportunity Absolutely. when you're on that side of it, right? And we're, we're, in that, we're kind of in that stage yeah. now. We've got a good subscriber base. We're getting 200 episodes. We've got a good reputation. Now we just want to take it to the next level. Sure. So that's kind of... So when you want someone with an American accent, then... Oh, you see... That's then gold. I'm, then, That's gold. Then I'm, I'm a phone call away. But well, I'd love to know if, any, if anyone listening to this right now um, has time to watch an episode of Help My Business. If you go to helpmybusiness.com, would, we're very open to your feedback. We'd love to know your thoughts. So yeah. please do feel free to... Well, I mean, if you're a, a fraction as entertaining as you are uh, <laughs> on this podcast... You will, you will, you will be what's, what's specific abs- absolutely fraction? mesmerized. Would it be a quarter, or are we getting more specific with no, a fraction? Uh, well, like seven twelfths. If you are eleven sixty fourths of how of how entertaining you are on this podcast, it, it, it's, it, you've got a runaway hit on your okay. hands. Is this awkward if I say I think I love you? Is that too soon in our relationship? I, but what am I so afraid of? That's I the like thing. What you did there. I, I just I, don't even know. I, you pitched. I threw it to you. you, and you teed it up. I teed it up. And, you and I it called out. the shot. Bless Ladies you. and gentlemen. When somebody sneezes, by the way, and this is a blatant ripoff from Seinfeld. Yes. Seinfeld did this routine about when somebody sneezes, nobody wants to hear, bless you. No. We don't want to be told. We want to hear something like, you are so good looking. Right. That's what <laughs> right. you want to hear. Right. So when somebody sneezes, don't bless and say, you're so good looking. Yeah. Because who cares about being blessed, really? I heard exactly. Exactly. I heard somebody the other day on the Nerdist podcast, and he went, "Bless you," or science, which I thought was pretty good. Really, bless you, or science, which I thought was That's pretty good. very funny for yes. those agnostics, those or agnostics amongst us. Uh, Chris Farrell, it has been nothing short of a little slice of heaven <laughs> to have you that here on the Soul well. Hour. Little slice of heaven. Um, I think by. Uh, you have over-delivered. Thank you, young, young sir. You've uh, been Can poised. And you were giving me some fashion tips last night. I had a, oh. a little jacket on, and you were saying when a, nice. gen- when a gentleman stands, he should button yeah, his button jacket. The, yeah, you button. He said, yeah. That's where, that's where all those nice, all Can that nice tailoring you, you Have did. you noticed a lot of guys these days, so like two years ago, well, a year ago, I was jeans and T-shirt and sneakers all the time. A lot of guys these days, we're, we're, we're dressing a bit we're more. We're getting better. We're getting better. We're getting a bit sharper. We're what getting better. Um, we're, still, uh, we're still buying the squared 
We're still buying the square-toed shoes. Thankfully, you're not because you're a Brit and you know better. Okay, thank you. But those are still happening. Like, you can still get the, the square-toed... Is like, that not cool? It is so okay, not It's good cool. to know. Square toe. Um, square yeah, toe you want to eliminate cool. the, the square toe. Oh, you're good. Uh, and you're on good. a man, you want the you, you have the classic toe on your uh, on your your shoes. That's there. what people say about me. Chris yeah. has a classic toe. A classic. T- yeah. I, I, you know, if there's one thing I can say about Chris Farrell, he is a he's, classic his, toe. His toes are classic. Like you've never seen a more classic toe. They're beautiful in English. Um, you've now just listened to episode 383 of the Solopreneur Hour. Uh, as always, grab the show notes, solohour.com slash 383. Please, for crying out loud, do yourself a favor. Go over to helpmybusiness.com. Check out one or two or seven of their episodes. Please connect with Chris, fb.me slash this is Chris Farrell. And Chris, thanks so much for being on the, uh, the show. Has this been an hour? That's flown by. It's been an hour and ten almost. Wow. Well, I really appreciate getting to know you and your friendship and your support. And, and uh, thank you, Michael, for having me. And thanks, thanks for the invitation. And I appreciate your accent. We'll see you next time, you guys. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Hour podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash solo hour, on Twitter at solo hour, and of course at solohour.com. Michael, you're so naughty.